pharmacist in general is one of your more easily accessible healthcare professionals. We're drug experts. So if you're having problems with side effects, drug-drug interactions, maybe you don't know exactly how to take a medication, there's somebody that's pretty well trained in a lot of things that's able to help you out and maybe in a pinch. Maybe you can't get to the doctor. Maybe the doctor's office is closed. Don't have insurance, go to the emergency room, something. There's a lot of stuff. A pharmacist might be able to help solve some of those problems. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Clinton Coleman, along with Dr. Sherrod Sugger. This is Recommended Daily Dose. We are pleased to have the hosts of the wildly popular podcast, um, which we aspire to be one day, Men's Health Unscripted, which is, like the name says, dedicated to men's health and wellness. How do they do that, you ask? By providing education, community outreach, and a judgment-free zone to empower men and improving their health. Welcome, guys. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks for having so just us. Just introduce yourselves to, to everybody. So I'm uh, Patrick Alonzo, um, pharmacy student, class of 2022, Woo-hoo. and uh, excited to get you know get out of there and uh, sure. get get after it in the real world. Uh, my <laughs> name is Cameron. I'm also a pharmacy student in Tampa. Uh, also class of 2022, and I'm also a, a Marine Corps veteran. So that's kind of what kept me sparked in this men's health information. Wow. Hey, thank you for your service. Thank you guys. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about your whole idea here. I mean, you're both obviously busy. You're getting ready uh, to get out in the big, bad world. But what is your, you know, this program all about? Tell us a little bit about that. Because I know men's health is something that that we talk about a lot on our own podcast. But admittedly, uh, men uh, oftentimes don't like to talk about health. So I think that's where you kind of want to go with this today. Yeah, so that's um, just our, our key point, Cam and I. Yeah, uh, really got involved with men's health at uh, at our college of pharmacy, and we realized just from our lectures, from our our community outreach opportunities, that guys really don't want to talk about their health, and um, it's just it's a real problem. And so we just decided, hey, let's let's make something else happen. Let's give people an opportunity to maybe sit at home watch a podcast in the privacy of their own home, listen to our take on, you know, men's health. They right. can grab a beer, have a, you know, have something to eat, watch YouTube, uh, listen to our podcast and just um, really just change the way that they view themselves and view the, view their health. Yeah. And the piggyback with that, the, uh, our school has a lot of organizations that focus on different areas of health um, and they can often be kind of cookie cutter. So right. we're, we're kind of essential people. We kind of want to do what we want to do. So we started this up with our own plan, and we kind of attacked it in that manner. So we do things that are a lot different than the other ones, but it, they're also very effective because when you're reaching a different population of people, you need to take different tactics to kind of get as many involved with it. So it's something we wanted to develop and grow and hopefully continue on with the, uh, the school and with our own professional careers. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely needed. I, I'm not sure why men suck so bad at at preventative health, <laughs> I have I have a few theories, and I want to get your your insight about that. But yeah, I, think I also part of it is that you could help uh, Clinton with some of his um, health <laughs> issues, you know, as it pertains to either mental health or perhaps some of his sexual uh, problems. So we'll have to get into <laughs> hey, um, man, humor is the best medicine. We all know that. We all know that. True. I think I think um, stereotype wise, men are supposed to be these 
burly, tough guys that don't get sick or aren't weak um, don't seek medical attention, especially if they don't need it that particular time. Um, the other thing, which I think we haven't really, um, I don't think Serge and I have talked about is, um, right. you know, as far as women's health, they, they have a structure, right? Um, yeah. When they turn 21 or sexually active, they start seeing the, the gynecologist and that's, that's their pre- preventive health structure. So they go once a year. The men don't have that until they get to you know, 40 with prostate cancer screening, but all that stuff. But it, so it seems like women's health right. is ingrained in the structure of medicine, but men is not so, so much. So I, that, that's, that's two different complicated things. But I just wanted to get your thought on that. Well, to kind of build a little bit off what you said, when I was starting the whole kind of my own personal, I guess, men's health movement before the podcast ever even existed, mm-hmm. we, I, I have a couple of mentors uh, here in Tampa that are urologists, are men's health experts. And I sat down for a while and picked their brain. And, and what I really found out is that men's health kind of fell to the wayside around World War II. A lot of the boys were over mm. in Europe and in the Pacific fighting the war. Women took the mantle, you know, as far as getting in the factory, working. Their empowerment definitely increased uh, in that time period. And so when the guys came back, there was kind of this society established the healthcare system and a lot more got geared towards women. And it really a reason to go to the doctor, you know, just like you said, right. when they're 21, they start going to the doctor and, and guys don't really have that defining moment in their life where they need to go get checked out. That's actually very fascinating. I mean, you know, we're both practicing physicians. Um, Clinton does some primary care. I do not. But you're absolutely right. Um uh, there doesn't. When did you start seeing a gynecologist? Really don't so. see a physician. They might go to a free <laughs> mental health screening, whatever. But uh, that, that's actually very interesting. To, to the historical context of World War II, you have Rosie the Riveter, you know, at home driving on the economic machine while the guys are out fighting. But um, uh, that's interesting. And I, what you know, I wonder uh, why in medical school and even our training, uh, there's really not a whole lot in terms of, you know, reaching out to someone at 24, 25. Usually, you assume they're indestructible until they come in their 40s, which we, Clint and I are both in now. And unfortunately, the 40s is a decade of illness, right, where it first starts popping up for a lot of people. So um, that's a point very well taken, absolutely. And it's double-sided with the, you know, keeping the military side too. So, sure. you know, men were over there fighting the wars and everything. Women were in the country basically running it, keeping everything held together. So they had a little bit more attention and like the public eye for that. Right. And across the, the water, across the pond, we're getting that stigma and it's something we perpetuate on ourselves as well. Cause oftentimes like you, you know, you're feeling something's wrong. So you talk to, you know, your Sergeant, whoever you got on top of you there. And what they do is they'll kind of belittle the, the issue. They'll kind of talk down on the issue. So right. we have this thing, um, it's called malingering. So a lot yeah. of times if you have people who go to sit call or something, you know, they go to see the docs kind of often, you're thinking they're just trying to stay in you know, not work, not put out their actual effort, not be able to fight the wars, but still want to collect a paycheck. So we right. actually start pushing that onto each other. So that's another aspect we want to be able to discuss and be able to hopefully start attacking in the future. The, the funny thing I see is when um, I see men for their physical or, or a new patient, especially, I ask them why they come here. And it's usually the spouse, uh, girlfriend, yeah. wife made me come. So how do, how do we change that that dynamic? I think that's I mean, we, I, we see the problem, right? Men lack preventive health screening, attention to 
health and wellness. Is is there an easy solution? It sounds like it's a structural problem that is there a requires a structural besides change. Getting married, besides getting married, <laughs> besides getting married. <laughs> no, so one thing I'll tell you, like, you here, but we've actually noticed a lot of this ourselves. Um, big thing we want to push for is that community outreach, that education, because as men, I don't know, we're kind of, we're focused on the big stuff or focused on those stuff. We don't really care how we're doing. We just want to get the goals done. But you have your, your daughters, your wives, your sisters, your moms, your grandmas. Those are the ones that we've actually had coming up to us after our events. And, you know, they're, they're so like enthralled with it. They just want to continue talking about it. And they always have their story. You know, oh, my husband, he does this. He doesn't want to take care of anything. He needs to get checked out. And they like, we've had a, uh, was it, I think it was a wife, like physically drug her husband to us. Um, we did wow. a cars and coffee event and we had like a table set up and we were on our coats. So I guess, you know, the white coat intimidation thing might've been playing in for some of the males, but uh, she drug him over. It was like, you need to talk to these boys right now. She's like, you need some men's health, buddy. And yeah. we, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, it was, it was bad. Cause it's one of those situations where you want to laugh, but if you know, you can't. I laughed. And so I think we might have like, we probably smiled a little bit because it was, I mean, it's just one of those situations. It's just gold. Right. But um, we really realized that there is an issue there. Like, wait, why are these guys wives and and girlfriends and daughters dragging them over to our, our stand to talk to us rather than coming up and we're giving away koozies. I mean, who doesn't want an awesome koozie or, you know, some, we're got giveaways who doesn't want that. And so to, to have a guy, even resist the free koozie or the free giveaway just to come and fill out a survey and talk to us. Right. We notice that there is a problem. And I think that, you know, in my mind, maybe having the healthcare system gear a little bit towards men. And I, I mean this in the nicest way possible, but when you go to a doctor's office, there's a lot of pastels. There's usually afternoon talk shows on, right. you know, there isn't a, a pool table, and so uh, ESPN, sports on TV. ESPN, like some liquor, but like and behind cameras, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was going to get my blood pressure checked. I'm going to keep watching football, you know? Right. The football. Now, tell us about these events. You mentioned coffee and uh, something, but tell us a little bit more about these events. So that sounds, that's, that's so interesting to me. Our most recent event, we did uh, an event. We partnered up with the local Yoda, yoga studio, Kodawara yeah. Yoga, uh, in Tampa, Florida. And uh, we called it Men on the Mat. We had about, I, I think it was like 45 or 50 people show up. Yeah. Uh, 90% of them were guys, which was awesome. And we did it to, A, promote the yoga studio. She's my friend. The owner's a really good friend of mine. But we promoted the yoga studio, promoted just getting up, getting your ass moving kind of thing. And, and like the importance of just breathing, all of that, everything that kind of yoga comes with. But it's just an opportunity yeah. because guys see it's like, I got to go to the lift weights at the gym. And, you know, right. somebody like me, my body's broken. I mean, I played college baseball. I played catcher for 15 years. So, I mean, I can't lift weights like I used to. Right. But I can definitely do yoga. I can do a lot of low impact exercise. And right. I've fallen in love with what yoga has taught me. So it's just a ch- it was an opportunity for guys to just try something new and do something healthy. We, we glossed over, but I think um, to that point you made, that the environment is really important. Saraj gets his hair cut at sports clips. Like if we could make that You see it, that that's model, why it's good. Where guys, like when I go to the barbershop, guys just sit there all day and just hang out and have nothing to do. Imagine if they did the same thing at the, do- not that we want them there all day at the doctor's office, but just like <laughs> that draw there, like make it a, a welcoming environment. They don't have to play pool or, or whatever. Or, but I'm just saying, I think that's, uh, that that's an interesting topic. 
Yeah, you know what? I would like to just take a step further. I mean, we have, so now we have two physicians who unfortunately now we're older, so we're attending physicians, pharmacists, but I'll tell you as an ID doc, um, I can't live without my ID pharmacist. And so that team um, approach is incredible, right? And so have you guys, now of course you guys are at a different stage, you're just about to go out into practice, but you're doing this as pharmacist. Um, are you, do you partner with other like medical, um, like physicians, dentists, optometrists, ophthalmologists, you know, do you, do you just do it together? Or do you guys partner with other, um, other disciplines of medicine? Like, how does that work? And, and, I, and if you do, and if you haven't, I would say that's a great idea because we know how medicine works in the real world, which is certainly a team approach. And, and perfect example, I, I round every day, you know, calling my ID pharmacist to help with PK, PD, dosing, that kind of stuff, uh, which I find fascinating, but that's that's for a different topic and a different day. So how do you guys do it? Do you guys approach it just the two of you or do you, do you branch out? So right now we're in the process. Um, this is relatively new. I think we've been at this a little over six months. So I think we're like sure. the seventh or eighth month mark. Well, and then our other men's health project. So definitely over a year total in men's health. Mm-hmm. But this specific project, we're, we're about seven or eight months in. And it's gotten to the point where we, we have some men's health docs in Tampa that are kind of really wanting to partner up with us and our ideas. Um, we're, we're getting some fundraising opportunities together to get guys some free PSA testing yeah. or um, encourage PSA testing. Um, because so when you we, say men's health docs, are you saying urologist or like primary care, family practice, internal medicine, or all the above? Primary care and urologist with a focus on men's health. Gotcha. Right. One of the guys is like kind of a concierge um, men's health doc, but he offers a lot of services. I um, think he does a good job and he's he's pretty, you know, up front. We're, we're kind of still in talks with, with him and another doc. And so we're not going to promise anything that we, we haven't gotten done yet. But we're sure. definitely working towards um, building more of that team-based outreach uh, program. For our listeners, can you just like um, explain what the role of like the pharmacist in like healthcare delivery system is? Because yeah, you know, I, yeah. we just think of pharmacists. You know, you prescribe a medication, you go pick it up. But obviously, you guys are are much more than that. What are some of the things you do outside of uh, medication related uh, things? So outside of that, a lot of it's it's uh, like the disease management clinics. So right. a lot of professors are actually they mm-hmm. are. But like side employed, I suppose, on it. It's part of their contract, so they have to do school in a clinic. So they'll do like diabetes management where, you know, they're in a what's called a collaborative practice agreement. Um, for those who are listening, it's just where they work underneath a physician and they're able to adjust medications based on the labs coming in. So we're actually we're able to read through the lab, see how the patients, so for diabetes specifically, you know, see how their A1C is doing, see how their blood sugar, their, their monitoring is. They're able to adjust their medications, change them. A big thing. You know, the world, a lot of the population are geriatric, they're getting older. So right. the medications become kind of unsafe as they get towards, you know, that twilight 65 and older period. Um, so, again, given diabetes, it's, they're watching you, their blood blow sugar chances for trying to prevent falls, further accidents, bleeding, things like that. So it's really yeah. sliding towards a lot of disease management. Same thing with warfarin. Uh, we dose the antibiotics. I just came off of our hospital rotation. Sure. And most of the day, we're, you know, doing vancomycin dosing. You know, it's very common. Every hospital, you know, dish it out like it's Hardee's or something. But isn't isn't that trough? That trough level is always moving, man. It, it's, it it's, is. 
it's a pain in my side. Well, if the if the infectious disease doctors would pay attention to what they're doing, I don't think. You know, you know how many times I bailed him out. This is not today, but that's why I like daptomycin, Dalvan, some of these other drugs that don't need to know, you know, therapeutic drug monitoring. But that's yeah. We we don't want to lose Clinton because I'm going to lose him and he's going to get lost and fall asleep. No, I'm just all the times that I've bailed you out from the renal failures from vancomycin toxicity. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. So yeah, I think I saw a lot of that. That's a big thing. We're watching their, you know, their kidney function, watching liquid sure. function. A cool thing I got to see, I got the dose um, medications for oncology. So sure. the patients, you know, they come in, the cases, you know, they have breast cancer or something like that. So we're able to adjust their medications based on the guidelines, what's shown for like, you know, effective practice and things like that um, in collaboration with their, their oncology doctors and things like that as well. Um, so there's a lot of scope outside that's more patient clinic than just what you see, you know, when you go to the pharmacy in Walmart or wherever right. your grocery yeah, is. So yes. Pharmacy is fascinating. People always think of the retail pharmacists. They don't realize there's hospital pharmacists, there's research pharmacists, there's pharmacists in, in obviously in, in, in pharma, um, you know, a lot of MSLs, medical science liaisons, yeah. uh, are pharmacists that I work with very closely because uh, I have a relationship in industry as well. You know, in our remaining time, I mean, obviously, uh, there's a thing going along uh, out there called the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit <laughs> and just kind of see where uh, you guys feel uh, pharmacists and pharmacy in general, and obviously it's a, it's a huge role, but um, fits in the delivery now that we have therapeutics, that we have vaccine, thankfully. Um, so just kind of your thoughts about that. And maybe we can focus on vaccines, really. I mean, you know, I actually, uh, both Clint and I were vaccinated a few days ago. Yeah. Yep. Uh, at our institution, we're utilizing Pfizer, Moderna coming out, both messenger RNA vaccines, obviously. Uh, we may have some, you know, adenovirus uh, or more traditional vaccines coming out with Sanofi and others. So are you guys involved with that? And then, you know, what do you see the pharmacist um, role going forward? Oh, yeah. So this I'm super excited. I was actually the first hand experience on this. So my hospital, sure. they got in last week. So we were actually there for the receiving and the pharmacy handled all of it. Mm. So there's a position in a lot of pharmacy uh, roles that is called informaticist. So their entire job is like tech stuff. Like I, he's, he's blowing that keyboard up doing his thing, right. but they managed all the fridge. Uh, they managed all the, like the transporting, oh, the deliveries. Yeah. They did all the contact with that, um, monitor the temperatures on that. So once the vaccine came and it was time for us to actually start giving it out. So I'm assuming like your guys' hospitals, the chief of this, you know, chief of medicine, the chief of nursing, the director of pharmacy, all of them got the vaccination, like as like a, public event in a sense yeah it was on uh, thursday yeah, it was that confidence with the with the population the pharmacist actually yeah the pharmacist actually ones who gave the vaccination so yes. we yeah. were part of the receiving um as a as a non-paid student employee there i was part of the receiving where we like pulled them out we dated all of them mm. uh, we got them all prepped and ready to go and then they were given out to the pharmacist to to minister to you know the first level of the the workers there um, right. so the big role is that uh, the vaccines coming we're actually part of like the entire process from it being guaranteed there's pharmacists working in their labs at, at Pfizer. So from that step all the way to the administration, you know, we're involved. And then past that with the, what are they, the v, v share after they're launching, the government's yeah. launching for the uh, patients to respond back. So, you know, we're monitoring our patients for that as well. So we're involved in every step of it. Yeah, it's fascinating because I was there uh, when it first arrived and, you know, in the day when kind of like some of the, those in the chief of departments received their vaccine and, um, we all know the importance of pharmacy with the whole idea, like you mentioned, you said info, info tech or informatics, informatics. I mean, amazing of how just that whole process, that supply chain is something, you know, I've never actually been privy to. So that's really, 
fascinating. Of course, it was very empowering to receive the vaccine, but just to see all the, the work that goes along with it. Uh, and are you guys, I'm sure like we are, getting questions or are you guys getting educated to answer questions about some of these uh, vaccine myths that we need to all dispel to fully you know, right. achieve herd immunity and end this pandemic? So yeah. what, I, what I would have yeah. to say is that I, I haven't had the chance to get the vaccine yet. Just being a student, it's not really quite available to us quite yet. Sure. Um, but, you know, when, I, when it's my time, I'm ready to get it. And I think the big um, thing that I think most people need to realize is that we have a really extensive knowledge on how vaccines work in the body. This wasn't just like a bunch of people sitting in a room, you know, trying to concoct something to get it right. pushed out there. I mean, there's, there's, you know, decades of yeah. quality vaccine information out there on how they work, what's the best way to get the optimal immune response, all that. And so the average person needs to realize, you know, it, no one's going to microchip you. Right. Yeah, you know, I don't know, like there's that the whole conspiracy end of it. This is and, not population and, control. Your thoughts are not going to the Russians, right? I mean, it sounds foolish, but you know, as, as doctors as, and, and older uh, doctors, we need to do our job. You guys need to do your job because the, um, as we say, the pandemic is also an infodemic out there, right? The right. first pandemic, yep. the social media era. And I'll be amazed that, you know, friends of mine, I think they're all being empowered and posting themselves, you know, myself included on social media, getting the vaccine. But you see some of these comments that, you know, how can you do this? Don't you know this is right. what they want you to do? This is what Bill Gates Foundation wants you to do. And I think it's permeated all around, you know, and the anti-vax um, uh, uh, movement is very me social media savvy, which is why we need yeah. people in all aspects of medicine, all, uh, you know, whether you're younger, older, students and beyond uh, to really be out there vocally uh, educating and dispelling these myths. Oh, sorry. Can you comment on like the the time timing of it? Because I think part yeah. of the disservice was naming it warp speed you know project warp speed yeah. who wants something no one wants their steak cooked at a warp speed or a you know i i think that that lends to people thinking that the necessary steps weren't taking just to get it out is they right. went through the same rigorous process is that correct yes one it's 100 one of the concerns i had as well um especially with pfizer put theirs out and they're like ours is like what 90 they're like where's just like 90 something 95 and then, like the next day, Moderna. Well, there was like they were below ninety four. The next day, Moderna was like, "Oh, we're at ninety four. And then, like three days later, Pfizer was like, "Oh, we're actually at ninety five. Ninety five, right? So that that kind of set me off too. I was like, "How's all of a sudden now you're doing so good?" But it is like when you when you look to the trialing, you 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 know you go to clinicaltrials.gov. That's right. a website everybody can get onto. It does take a little bit of finagling to get what you need to go to. The searching on it's not one hundred percent clear. But you're able to look this up for yourself. Right. Kind of read you some of the information. But it did go through the panelings. It did have all the trials. There's still ongoing trials on these. So they're still collecting lots of data. And it went through multiple boards before it got to the right. you know, the emergency authorization level. But again, you have to think of the, uh, the, the size that we're on right now. Just right. the scale, scale of the need for it is going to make it more priority than you know, some of the other projects that the FDA has got going on. So it, it seems kind of suspicious. It's a little sus, but it perfectly like, – it, it makes sense. It's what, it's what needed to happen. Yeah, I think what you know the, the final statement I can say, and then I think we can all use it, is that um, it's you know this messenger RNA uh, technology has been on for a long time. It's going to be yeah. it's amazing technology. This is not something just popped up in January, and we knew about SARS-CoV that caused SARS back in 2003. So even though we had a genetic code 
to SARS-CoV-2 January 11th, a lot of this background work had already been done, you know, uh, previously. So these are all excellent points. We want to ask you, you know, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media? Where can they find your podcast, et cetera? Tell us a little bit about that. All right. So social media, we're at Men's Health Unscripted on Instagram, Twitter, we're unscripted underscore MH. Um, some of that just might not necessarily always be men's health because Twitter's just a weird monster. So it's right, a lot right. of like Tampa Bay Lightning and Tampa Bay Rays, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so those are our spots. Uh, YouTube, uh, Men's Health Unscripted as well. And we're on all your favorite podcasting networks, Spotify, iTunes, Google, pretty much everything under the sun, Anchor, um, at Men's Health Unscripted as well. So we've pretty much got that name locked in across the board. That's yeah, it. Thank you guys for what you do. Oh, we yeah, appreciate it, man. It, oh, thank you guys as well. You know, it, it's 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 imperative um, for physicians, uh, pharmacists, everyone in healthcare to be educators at all different levels. And um, I cannot say, I don't think Clinton can say that we were as ambitious as you two when I was finishing up med school and he oh, was finishing surely up not. I was... I was back in that liquor cabinet behind you. <laughs> I was <laughs> deep in there. And once I mastered for residency, I probably was just mostly traveling or God knows what. You know, who knows what I was doing? I, I might, we might name Bill Snops, yes. Pete <laughs> Snops, yeah. Okay, well, discuss. Yeah. Right there. I do. We appreciate, um, we appreciate the boys from Men's Health Unscripted coming on today. Uh, very empowering, very impressive. We wish you all the best of luck. As always, I'm Dr. Stuart Sugger, my host, Dr. Clinton Coleman. We appreciate you guys for coming on. Find us on Apple, Spotify, rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time, be well.